it's here. The MCU has finally delivered a television show that is not Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And finally, <laughs> Disney Plus, after a, a whole year and a half of saying like, hey, we got all these Marvel shows. Sign up. Uh, well, we won't have those for another year or so. Sorry. Hey, everyone. Welcome to MCU Pod. I feel like that's a good place to go ahead and start. Uh, I'm your host, Grant. Along with me is my co-host, Mike Moody Garcia. And our special guest today is our good buddy, Martin Thomas of DoubleToasted.com. Hey, it's great to see you guys. One, it's fun to hang out with you because I haven't seen both of you in a while. Uh, also, you fully mentioned where I come from, and that doesn't that doesn't happen often. So thank you. Do people not give you the, the full intro? They do not. Oh, well, um, Martin, we have both worked with you independently. And I was trying to think the other day, do I know Mike because of you? I was, huh? I do remember Mike asking me about you, and I vouch for you. Oh, but I don't. <laughs> but I don't know. I remember my, my, at asking Martin about you, and you're mm -hmm. like, "Oh yeah, I was talking to him, and he asked me about you, and I vouch for you." <laughs> so Martin is kind of a connection for sure. Oh well, look at that! You brought us together, and. Now we're bringing you back into the fold because you're here as a guest, but little do you know, there's no escaping at this point. Uh, because, Martin, we're, we're talking about the first two episodes of WandaVision over on Disney+. Plus. This is what's been long hyped by Marvel as their their official foray into the into TV as far as the MCU landscape is concerned. Um, it's basically them saying like, okay, look, forget those Netflix shows. This, these are the real Marvel shows. Yeah. I, I want to rewind with that because I don't fully support that um, narrative because the Netflix shows did their thing. They had their fans. And, you know, if you're looking at them as a whole, um, about 75% of them were very good and very well reviewed and pretty awesome. However, yes, that is over Spider-Man three and daredevil coming out potentially notwithstanding, but we are in a whole new realm now where we're actually getting the, um, the actors and the characters from the films branching mm -hmm. off to their own shows. So yeah, it's, it is another level for sure. It, well, it's a, it's a level where they don't mention the Hulk as that green guy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and 75% is a bold claim for those Netflix shows. Yeah. I would go more. <laughs> like we hey, can we, we can wipe Iron Fist completely off, sure, and, agree. And, and and a good chunk of Jessica Jones. Oh well, yeah. maybe the last season and a half for sure. Not the first season. I kind of pretend like the other season. No, 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 no. The first first yeah. season was great. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It, it, it was halfway through that second season where it's like, all right, yeah. uh, this is kind of running into a ditch. Drop, drop the second season of Daredevil, maybe. Um, I'll just take one and three. <laughs> just okay. I, I, we'll, I, I like the second. The second one is okay. It's okay. <laughs> okay, we'll just keep all the hallway scenes. Let's say third of those shows were great. There's some fantastic and, hallways, and, and, and the, the the Punisher was good for half of the first season. I'll agree with that because that's all I watched. I think I think I think we're all on the same page, just about. Yeah. Okay. I think so. So twenty percent of that was acceptable. <laughs> 
<laughs> WandaVision, though. We're here to talk about WandaVision. We are. Yeah. We're talking about WandaVision. It is um you got to see it a little bit early, right, Martin? Yes, yes. Uh they they sent out the uh the things to me uh to us uh on Wednesday and they sent us the first three episodes. And I guess what I'm wondering is they decided to deliver the first two episodes here. This is, um, it, it, it's interesting what they're, they're doing with this because this is very high concept and can be oh, very exercising to a lot of people thinking, Oh, I'll just go ahead and check out the show. What, what's going on here? Oh, you guys are cribbing from a whole bunch of other shows, but also being very weird about what this show is going to be. I don't know that they're being weird, but they are doing something that a lot of people might not expect because what they're doing as far as delving into retro shows, they're doing deep dives and they're fully committed. Every time any other show or sitcom has gone like, oh, let's do an homage to old shows, they do a little bit and it's kind of tongue in cheek and then they just kind of kind of laugh it off. And you don't realize how much these guys are like, no, we're in it. We're in it to win it. They go all out. Right. To the point where they're, they're going into shows that I grew up on where I genuinely felt like I was watching those shows again. And it gave me such a warm and fuzzy to see that. 100%. They're, they're nailing their I Dream of Jeannie, their Dick Van Dyke, their Bewitched here in these first two episodes with this... this um just old timey fifties couple and their mm-hmm. yeah. little romance and the, the laugh track studio. Um, I, I, I guess we should take a step back, Mike. And do you want to just go ahead and do some, some hot takes on this? Yeah. Let's do some hot takes. I am absolutely loving this. The first two episodes, like for a number of reasons, first, like this thing didn't have to be funny, right? It didn't have to commit, but it, like Martin said, it fully commits to that sitcom trope. There's a lot going on underneath the surface of this show, of course, as we all know as MCU fans and and people who are on the internet. But the facade that they're aping here, that fun, sweet, dorky surface layer of late 50s, early 60s era sitcoms in terms of the premiere episode and then later it's the mid-60s sitcom with the second episode. It works so damn well on its own hilarious like they didn't have to make all that sitcom stuff work in order mm-hmm. to like print money with this show right it could have just been wanda and vision kind of trapped in a sitcom world but the sitcom stuff isn't particularly funny or engaging because this show is really about the multiverse mystery or hydra or whatever the fuck yeah. and how, how this all connects to the mcu and and all that yeah. stuff and yeah, that mystery and that multiverse like MCU fun is there, but that basic sitcom stuff is perfect. It works so great. It's so funny and clever and engaging. And just that sitcom style has this other layer where I feel like I'm getting a deeper look at these characters and getting to know Wanda and Vision a lot more than I ever have in the MCU movies just by watching like Wanda <clears throat> reluctantly trying to impress the the uptight neighborhood bitch queen and, and connect with her neighbors. 
and, and watching Vision like awkwardly try to blend in with his dumb friends from work and what? impress his boss to get that promotion. Um, and yeah, Martin, it's it commits so much. Like technically, this is a masterpiece. This is like watching the Dick Van Dyke show. The second episode is just like watching Bewitched. They even get the the sound design right. And all that surface level stuff is great. Then we have the promise of the deeper stuff that's happening and the mystery and the promise that at the end of this thing, it's going to pay off in some exciting ways. That's going to change the Marvel universe and kind of reshape it going forward in terms of like the theatrical films and the other shows. So I'm in, I'm in, I'm here for it. Well, I don't even know how much it's going to change the other stuff. I mean, I'm sure it will. Was that your hot take? That was so long. I'm done. Oh, it's a hot take. It's supposed to be short. Generally, I think that's that's the consideration of it. But man, I I okay. Get uh, you can forgive me because I just watched this shit. I just got off the the laptop watching this like 20 minutes ago, and I'm like on fire to to spew out all of my thoughts on it, and I just did. So I'm going to bed now. Oh wow! <laughs> well, oh, that's hilarious. Give us your hot take. You well, can my hot take as long as you but, want. I mean, I mean, uh, uh, expanding upon what I talked about before is that watching that first episode, it's so it's it's very much as Mike said, it's it's the late fifties bleeding into to the sixties, which both episodes really do because it it reminded me of Bewitched. Uh, you know, it's it's a lot of Leave It to Beaver, Father Knows Best. Uh, especially in the first episodes, so much Dick Van Dyke show, and 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 I love Lucy. And matter of fact, it's it's funny because I uh, Dick Van Dyke show is is kind of like a later fifties, early sixties, whereas I Love Lucy is a fifties show that's in the second episode that's should be more of a sixties thing, but it's it's bewitched the entire time. It's just that the the wife is a witch and the husband is a robot. Uh, but it took me back to those shows. I even thought of My Favorite Martian. That was the show that I loved growing up. Um, but it's those shows so much that you think they're going to just glance on it and have that aesthetic. But they commit to the point where they have the exact same humor and timing and acting. And they even got, because it was uh, during, uh, I think it was pre-COVID when they when they first shot these couple, first couple episodes, they even had a live audience in just to have the, right. the authenticity authenticity of that. But whereas I know I should have been looking at, okay, how does this relate to the MCU? What's the, what's the mystery? But I got into the show. It took me back to being five years old and watching these things. And I was like, man, I am so appreciative of somebody who commits to a bit because it seemed to be a thing with, uh, I mean, you guys are millennials, and this is not me millennial bashing, but it did seem to be a thing with millennials where it's like, oh, you're into something? That's not cool. We're going to make fun of you. This is a right? Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Be and, it, and, and, and it's wonderful to see somebody actually go like, no, I'm committed to this, and I'm going to do it and, and, and go with it. And I was like, I'm enjoying uh, – Corey and I talked about this last night on Double Toasted where – we had anxiety just from the, the whole thing of the vision working at a place where he doesn't even know what they make, but he has to have that, that scenario where the boss is coming over for dinner and they have to have dinner perfect or he loses his job. Right. And the anxiety of that was enough to sustain me without thinking about, okay, what's behind this? 
And yet there is something behind it that's all very Twilight Zone in these first two episodes. We, the audience, definitely come into this with so much more background knowledge. I, I know that there's going to be a few people that watch this without having fully just devoured every other thing that Marvel spit out. But for the most part, I think everyone watching this knows where things left off with, you know, uh, Scarlet Witch and with Vision, which I'm going to spoil things here. Uh, but things I believe left off with uh, this guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. Uh, of, of all the characters, Vision was one of the few who died before the snap. So he didn't get to come back. Yeah, there's no comebacksies. But I guess if you're Scarlet Witch who can remake reality, the the rules are definitely getting blurred here. Mm -hmm. I I was very surprised by how absolutely committed to the bit they are in this show that it I, I could have seen this show definitely like introducing this kind of element and then blurring the lines a little bit, having it pop through a lot more in and out of the, um, the individual episode and then kind of losing the conceit maybe by like episode three or four, but mm -hmm. it seems they're going to like evolve through a series of TV shows and through a series of intros throughout the season, because yeah, we have, an intro that's very much more like Dick Van Dyke in the first episode. The, se the second mm -hmm. one is a, a bewitched animated uh, ripoff mm -hmm. there. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating. I like looking at the other pictures of upcoming episodes. There's definitely a scene that looks like they're going to do um, Roseanne or something to that effect mm -hmm. with like looking at this kind of eighties style with a family. I, th I think it's more of that uh, full house or that, you know, that, that the TGIF that well, they we, got it Friday. We do have ABC an Olsen. Do. We do have an Olsen in the show. So full the house Olsen would be. Probably. Oh man. Right, we do. Because <laughs> I, I saw an interview with uh, Paul Bettany and uh, Elizabeth Olsen where they talked about going through the different eras all through the eighties, nineties and the aughts. I mean, I guess my hot take is simply this. I am immediately captivated with everything that they're doing here. I love how they're taking a big conceptual swing with what this show can be and how it fits with the rest of what's already been established in the MCU is, is utterly fascinating to me. It seems like they might be playing into Mephisto and um, bringing mm -hmm. in twins here. That's going to be some sort of uh, allusion to what they did with House of M without actually being House of M. I wonder what the larger ramifications are going to be of Scarlet Witch in the world of the ongoing MCU because of this. And if they're going to deal with either the multiverse or her remaking reality so that like mutants come back or whatever. I don't know. Well, that's one of the things I find most exciting about the MCU is that they have the the last 80 years or so of uh, Marvel Comics history to mm. pull from, but it's what they do with it and how they change it. And for the most part, when they change things, I'm like, all right, I'm digging this. Let's see where you go with it. Right. I, I, am, I am one of the admitted few who was cool with what they did with the Mandarin. I was like, yeah, that... That's that's fine. Mix it up. Let let's see where it goes. I I'm I'm exactly with you. I love when um, we get a sideways turn that mm -hmm. is unexpected, and that happens a lot in the MCU. Like you said with the Mandarin, I love that bit 
from Iron Man mm -hmm. 3. And then they doubled down on it with doing that short with Ben Kingsley. That was great. But also reminded yeah. you, hey, maybe the, the real Mandarin that you're expecting is also out there. So mm -hmm. I think Marvel, through all this, these what over over a decade of movie making yeah. ha has established its credibility where they can pull off something that is extremely unexpected and kind of maybe even like lynchian like this sure. uh, as their first big tv outing on the new streaming service like people uh, they've earned that credibility to which they can just throw something out there so weird and so different from everything that's come before and, and still have people watch it and enjoy it and discuss it like we are. I mean, th this is the best thing they could have done, right? Take that credibility and give us these characters in uh, a remixed, like different, like just contextualize them differently and make and give us something so unexpected that um, we're just piece like picking it apart and trying to figure out what it is, but also enjoying that that surface facade that we didn't see coming. Well, we've had the last few, couple of years where people are going like, ah, with Joker, DC did something different. Marvel, no, what about no. that? <laughs> and it's like, okay, yeah, they did it with what their most, their second most popular character, because <laughs> Batman's first and Joker's second, then maybe Superman's third. Um, but Marvel had already, like, you think about it, Marvel has already done this with Legion. Mm -hmm. yeah. So this is this is that, that expanded consciousness like Legion, but just pull back to where everybody can get on board and not get completely weirded out by it. True. This is on a different, um, a different plane though. I think with Legion, it was always understood, at least to me, that Legion is a piece of the MCU that is, um, it was Fox, right? But it's, it's uh -huh. off in the, it's off in the corner. Mm -hmm. It's not really mm -hmm. connected, right? It's in its own universe, mm -hmm. not really connected, but this, this is the first MCU thing we've gotten, what, since the pandemic, right? This is yeah. like, um, and it wasn't planned that way, but this is like the hood ornament of the MCU right now. And it is, uh, for a lot of people, I think, can be really polarizing because it's not your typical superhero story, but it's the best thing Marvel can do. It, They're shaking it up. They're not giving us the same old thing like DC kind of does. Yeah, it's original uh, Joker, which was just Taxi Driver. And mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I know, I know. I mean, I personally, I, I'm not a big fan of that movie. Uh, I, I have a lot of issues with it. Uh, but if people love it, that that's fine. But it, it's not really all that innovative. Uh, but this is something completely different. And and for them to jump out the gate with this, I was like, man, are you guys sure this is the one you want to start with? But the fact they're like. Yeah, we're going for it. And the reviews have been all glowing. So people are getting it. Yeah. Martin, did you see Maniac over on Netflix, the Jonah Hill, Emma Stone show? Oh, yeah, I did. Uh, maybe over a year ago. Right. I mean, this also has like some strong vibes of what was going on there with this delusional shared reality kind of going on. Sure. With people that are obviously working through trauma. And I, I think that's one of the really interesting things you're seeing these glimmers of, because I think people are going into a lot of theorizing right now about what is exactly going on with Wanda. And if Vision's dead, is is Vision fully a manifestation of her mind? Is she trapped in a program? Is she trapped in some sort of game simulation? Or is she not, not trapped, but like a willing 
participant who's manifesting. See, the I, I, like, I personally get the impression this is something she's creating, and either the FBI or Shield or maybe even AIM because you see that guy in the beekeeper suit are trying to break through into it, and the fact they sense. Uh, you know what? You guys have seen the first two episodes. I've seen the third, and I don't want to speak to that because no there are some things that happen. No, no, no I don't want to spoil. It's just that with those first two episodes, they're so committed to doing the 60s, the 50s, 60s sitcom, and only with like a, a little smidgen of what might be going on outside of that. With the third episode, they go a bit more into it. Like it, it starts to drop away. So you're starting to see, okay, now I'm, I'm getting what's going on outside. But, uh, you know, there's a big question of, is this something she's doing or is it something somebody's doing to her? Let's, let's, uh, I get more uh, the impression it's her. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, especially it sounds like a lot of people think the voice that's coming through the radio that's trying to break through the signal and talk to her is Jimmy Woo, a.k.a. Uh, uh -huh. Randall Park, who you've right. seen in Ant-Man. Um, and, and the idea that he's the he's FBI, right? Um, right. And he, he's well. You know what? The thing is, even from those first two episodes, anybody, you know, with, with keen eyes has, has noticed the SWORD logo. Right. And and SWORD is an acronym for, I don't remember what it is, but it's sort of like the interstellar version of SHIELD. Yeah, strategic something, something, something. Uh, I mean, you can see it on the, the beekeeper's back. I think you see it on the the helicopter here, which also has Iron Man colors. So mm -hmm. I wouldn't yes. share with this Pleasantville-esque scene where uh, colors starting to bleed through. Um, is Iron Man somehow tied into this with the, the very iconic yellow and red? Well, it's it's a funny thing because you think about like I, I went back and I was starting watching uh, rewatching re uh, Age of Ultron, and with uh, Wanda and Pietro, they have a big story with with Stark where they talked about being in Sokovia and hunkered down for two days within with a Stark shell that they thought might explode, which is very traumatic. Which is why they had a a hard on to to, to get him. Which um, is, but then later, well, later she joins the Avengers, so she has a, a better relationship with Stark after that. Um, but it's a it's a question of so what does this mean to her? Right, and, and I think that's where the commercials themselves are super fascinating because it mm -hmm. seems like if this is some sort of psychological construct of hers where she's using this TV show as some sort of escapism to kind of deal with her trauma what we see in these commercial breaks are a, a break from her reality where some other sort of message is trying to come through to her. Mm -hmm. I've heard people mm -hmm. suggesting that um, the two actors in the commercials are, are potentially her parents uh, from the past, which I thought was kind of just a, an interesting idea, but more importantly, there, there was this toaster that was being advertised made by Stark yes. and Stark makes weapons weapons that blew up her parents right yeah so yeah. when they're making the toast and all of a sudden they zoom in on it and it just starts beeping a little bit menacingly it comes, mm -hmm. it comes really intense and it seemed like it was more kind of uh alluding to this being a a traumatic um point in wanda's life that she's still not fully um processed and grappled with especially with the tagline sure. past this is your future if you think about all the Avengers that we've seen in the movies, Wanda is the one who's had or undergone the most trauma the most recently. Not only did she lose her family, 
in terms of her parents, but she also lost her brother um, she pretty, lost pretty nearby. <laughs> and she lost the love of her life as well. And her home world, yeah. Um, and then the yeah. Strucker ad, Strucker, um, Baron Von yeah. Strucker from Age of Ultron. Yeah. Was the guy who had her and her brother held in, in prison and was using them as experimental soldiers. So again, the commercial breaks seem to be. They, they volunteered for that, though. Did they? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I just rewatched it. They volunteered for those experiments. Because it, it's true. As a matter of fact, yeah, it, because it's a, it's a thing where Maria Hill like like disparages them and Captain mm -hmm. America is like, huh. So somebody let a German scientist experiment on them to try to save their country. That is weird, huh? <laughs> like, what like, kind oh, of uh, monster, like what yeah. kind of monster would do that? Yeah. Wow, okay. That is great. I missed that part. And um, I think uh, a lot of us who are MCU fans are still uh, have questions about Wanda and um, Pietro's origin, right? Mm -hmm. We understand that it was something with the Mind Stone and Strucker kind of experimenting on them, something they signed up for to get powers, to get back at Stark. But we don't know exactly how they were made. And when they were introduced, um, I think it was a teaser after like Thor 2 or something. One of those. It was a teaser. And they were labeled as miracles. And then right. in, in, um, in the uh, Age of Ultron, Strucker also calls them miracles, my miracles. So mm -hmm. it seemed like Marvel was, since Marvel didn't have the rights to the mutants, the mutant term, they were trying to mm -hmm. replace mutant with miracle. Yeah. But what what does that mean? And at the end of this, are we going to see more miracles happen? And are those going to be the mutants? I mean, they they own the mutants now, yeah. So they can do it. I Let's, feel like there's so many different paths they're yeah. they're hinting at that they could go. I don't know which direction they're going to necessarily bring in mutants. They've had um, crossovers with other dimensions and um, the snapping of the um, the gauntlet again, which could have triggered some sort of shift in, in biology, multiple of those for everyone uh, enduring that. That could cause, cause mutants. Or mm -hmm. it could be that Wanda brings in a, a whole new um, type of, of human. Well, also, like if you go by what's happened in the comics, she's had the most convoluted history of maybe any character uh of uh, who, who, who's her father who's her parentage uh where her powers come from is she a mutant is she not was she a genetic experiment is magneto her her father was her where her parents the the wizard in miss america uh Did she have back a and weird forward. incestuous relationship with her brother yeah, yeah, there's always that. That's right. That's right. And uh, in the Ultimates, that's what they did, which just seemed like the natural extension. Uh, so it just seems like with the MCU, they can pick, they can cherry pick and go like, we're going to go with this is what works for us and yeah. what will work best for the audience. They're definitely doing a, a mix and match of plots and storylines that are are going to evoke stories that have already been tread but they're not retreading which i do appreciate like mm -hmm. no they they i mean feige seems to know how to go all right this is what the fans know and will like but i am also catering to an audience who knows nothing about this and this will make it digestible for them let's 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 rewind back a little bit you guys mentioned things even i as a comic fan don't know like mephisto hell world things like that so mm -hmm. 
those those synapses are already firing in your brain as you're watching this as as uh, Marvel fans. But I was watching this and I was like, I think somebody who is not into the MCU could dive into this, and this could be their entry point, even though it's so oh, yeah. weird and there's all those subtextual. Oh, Do you guys agree? Yo, definitely. They they've always been good about that. I mean, I'm they, they've been good about it to the point where people who've never read anything will come to you and try to school you on what's happening. And you're like, <laughs> that happens. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you only think you know. I I definitely don't know. I had to read a bit about this episode and other people's kind of takes on some of the deeper elements of like the back history to have a little bit more of an understanding and to kind of remind myself of what even like happened with House of Them and all that. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I know, Martin, that you were immediately watching this and seeing um, glamour and illusion and getting kind of the references of, of what that, those characters were. Like, they, sure. they worked alongside, like, a glamour and illusion, right? And, like, mm-hmm. they, like that was, like, their couple's friend. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm, I'm watching it. And to me, it's just I'm watching an episode of Bewitched, and I'm mm-hmm. just loving it. That's where I'm coming just, from. Like, you don't have to know that stuff. Um mm-hmm. You can just be a fan of really good, engaging, strange television and dive right into this. I mean, that said, I'll go ahead and uh, post up a few interesting Easter eggs I did come across here, uh, including, you know, this little bottle of wine that was pouring. If you look at the right. name of it, it's My Son du Mempris, which is mm-hmm. a House of Contempt or House of yeah. M, because it's a letter yeah. M, which is mm-hmm. uh, an, uh, a reference to House of M, the very famous comic where... Wanda has a psychological break and basically remakes the entire um, planet, if not the universe. I don't know how far her that extended, actually. She took away powers from, from most of the mutants. Yeah, like just stripped it all down. And um, it, it's a fantastic read if, if anyone ever gets a chance. But- well, even more fantastic is the, the, the 12-issue Vision miniseries, which a lot of this seems to pull from where the vision created a synthoid family for himself and lived in the suburbs. Right. Which, um, you know, when we have this intro sequence, the bewitched sequence, what we see right here on screen is this little helmet and people might initially Mm -hmm. think that's Galactus, but it's actually Grim Reaper Mm -hmm. in that comic series. Grim Reaper comes by and, uh, basically vision kills him <laughs> and so well a nod to like well it, it, it was a, it was an ongoing thing because the vision um his body was was uh taken from the original human torch from from world war ii he had nothing to do with johnny storm uh but he was an android and so his body was made from him but all of his his, uh, his brain functions were taken from a character called wonder man who appeared in avengers number nine as somebody who was created to kill the Avengers, given super strength, and he died, and they took his brain pattern and put it in the vision. Uh, the brother of Wonder Man was the Grim Reaper, who was always angry, like, hey, uh, you took my brother's uh, brain pattern. I want to kill you because I hate my brother, but I don't like you having his stuff. It's a, it's a weird thing. Um, but uh, But Wonder Man does come back to life and he comes back to life having the same attraction to to uh, the Scarlet Witch. So it's always a love triangle, t- tr- triangle between the three of them. Everybody's right. horny in the MCU. 
I believe we hear a little bit of um, Simon Williams, Wonder Man, in one of the movies played by Nathan Fillion, right? Doesn't he do the voiceover of, of Wonder Man? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. He would be the perfect person to play <laughs> Wonder Man. Um, we're, we're talking about all these strange concepts, and it seems like um, we have to bring Vision back from the dead. We have that um, that Easter egg you just pointed out, which was potentially a call to the Grim Reaper, who I'm guessing lives in the underworld or some other dimension. And maybe that has something to do with bringing Vision back to life since we know he's dead now. We also have Wanda learning to truly reshape her reality in this and potentially reshape all of reality as we see it. These are like really sci-fi concepts that are out there a little more than maybe the general audience could really want to see played out in a traditional comic book way on screen. So I think it's really smart for them to um, explore these concepts and get to where they want to get with them by packaging them in something that is familiar to everyone like the sitcom. Sure. It's so brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I did want to touch a little bit more on this idea of Mephisto because this mm -hmm. is something I don't really know too much about, but I'm sure you do Martin. And I think it, it kind of revolves around, there's this other Easter egg in the intro. We see um, Bova milk, which I believe Bova is the name of this, uh, hyper evolved sentient cow who helps um, give. Yes, yeah, you you have a, you have a character called the High Evolutionary who basically created the island of Doctor Moreau. Okay. Uh, and and one of his evolved uh, cows that was a half cow, half human, was the one who raised uh, uh, Wanda and Pietro. But but more interestingly is this one Auntie A's kitty litter mm -hmm. that lasts. And people think that Auntie A is a reference to Agatha Hargreave. Hargreave? Harkness. Harkness. Okay. Yeah. And that's this lady right here. And yes. Her cat. She, was the, she, was al she was always the babysitter for the Fantastic Four. And, and that would be her cat, Ebony, alongside her. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. people think that Agatha, if I'm connecting the dots here correctly, might be a reference to, what's her name, Agnes? Yeah. Catherine Hahn, the neighbor who we do see in the second episode makes a very interesting reference. Like someone says uh, the devil's in the details or something like that. And she talks about, Oh, it might be other places as well, which has people thinking the devil Mephisto that, that would tie into, I guess, a, an iconic story of Scarlet, Witch and Mephisto being involved in, in her being trapped. And and that's the kind of thing because yeah that that involves the 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 two babies uh, Thomas and and William, um, and it's the kind of thing where I normally might blow it off, but knowing that Scarlet Witch is going to play a big part in the next Doctor Strange movie, and Mephisto has always been one of Doctor Strange's uh, arch villains. Right, I mean they they're definitely talking about fertility in these episodes and there being some, mm -hmm. some peculiar like importance on it. The second mm -hmm. episode, they're doing a magic show for the children. When you look around that, this little town, not a child to be seen anywhere. <laughs> right. <laughs> but they do have this like interesting thing about putting on a, a play for the children. The children are so important and it ends with Wanda finding out she's pregnant. Just mm -hmm. with, uh, 
she goes from zero to a four month, five month belly bump already. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh. um, so I guess there's, there's something about there being pressure or something within the construct or system wants her to be pregnant or she wants it or she wants it. I mean, it, it's really telling. I think that end scene um, where the, the beekeeper comes up and you see her turn and say, no. And she, re- she's the one who takes control and rewinds the system to have a, a different ending of the episode play out. And that's essentially mm-hmm. her, her manifesting this world in the way she wants. So she does have some element of control over it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we're, we're all, I mean, some of the greatest TV shows and films really with TV that we've seen in the past decade have really honed in on the idea of characters being shaped extremely by their trauma and working to reshape their realities by trying to hide that trauma, but that trauma bubbling up to the surface somehow. And that's what we're seeing here, right? With this beekeeper representing that with, um, with uh, the, the commercials potentially being her parents and calling back to Stark and Strucker, all these traumatic names from her past bubbling up to the surface. It's, it's pretty exciting. I want to, you mentioned Catherine Hahn earlier. I want to touch real quick on the supporting cast because the supporting cast for this kind of sitcom you feel could have been really on the nose, but it's not like Catherine Hahn is once you see her in this role, it's the perfect choice. Because she can do anything, but she has that that face that looks like it's from the 60s or 50s from a sitcom. And she has such a great comedic timing that fits in perfectly with that style of television. We also had Deborah Jo Rupp, who was the mom on that show. See, I was going to say, like, when, it, when, it comes, when it comes to perfect yeah. casting in, in a role like this, Deborah Jo mm-hmm. Rupp, you couldn't have gone better than her. Right. Perfect. Like I, I always call her Kitty because I'm like I can't remember her real name. Yeah, it's Kitty from Mm -hmm. the Sunday show. But perfect. And you know what you're saying about Catherine Hahn, she is incredible and a chameleon. She's always just like this, this other uh, that guy or I guess that gal in this context, a person who's in like so many shows. She's been a leading lady as well in quite a few properties, but it seems like she's always like the best friend or something and how easily she can just slip into being nefarious. <laughs> if, if that's the way they're going to go with this, I will buy into it a hundred percent. She's fantastic. Someone earlier, oh, she's like also, Martin Freeman. She gets in where she fits in. Right. <laughs> Someone earlier also mentioned um, from Buffy, Emma Caulfield plays Dottie, mm-hmm. the, uh, the bit, the bitch queen of the neighborhood. And, if you ever watch Buffy, if you're a fan of Emma Caulfield and that show, that is just perfect casting for that. And I'm glad to see her in the MCU too. Right. I, I think though, you know, it, it's fun just seeing kind of these background characters. This is dude who's got a mustache more comical than mine. And every time I just see him and his mustache, I'm laughing before he even does anything. The guy's just a background guy <laughs> for now. Oh, the guy who got fired. Yeah, yeah. The guy who got fired. Oh yeah. That guy. Even his yeah. Mustache, I'm just like, Ah, there he is, that guy. You're going to do something funny in a minute. And he hasn't really yet. But Oh, we forgot to say, commenters, we're looking at your comments, but if you want us to bring up some of your comments, just type capital P-O-D in front of the comments so we can see it. 
Yeah. The, the, the funny thing to me is is watching uh, these episodes is like the the one thing that stands out that makes you know it, it's something's not right is how multicultural the the people <laughs> in the neighborhood are. <laughs> right. <laughs> you go. Oh, okay. This is a different thing. <laughs> revisionist uh, history. Uh, so you know, this is the other scene that you know we've only touched on a little bit, but it is a full on show with you know, a, a cast of fictional people that are making it Leonard Hooper, Pamela Brewster and all this. And we see that this show is an actual real, like a, a real product that is able to be viewed by a sword agent. I wish I had a little bit further of a zoom out of this scene because we also see a roadcaster, Mike. Oh uh, yeah. 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 We'll get, I got one yeah, right we- here. A roadcaster was in that scene. Honestly, so weird. Um, but what does that mean? That it's something that sh- that sword, because you can see the sword um, logo right here. Um, what does it oh, yeah. mean that they're able to actually monitor this? Do you guys have any thoughts I mean, there? Like, like she's making something like an actual like physical product, a real like TV show that we've seen. Like maybe they are containing her and monitoring because they're the ones sending it, sending in agents, right? Like Monica Rambeau and Jimmy Woo. It feels like um, Truman Show a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, like yeah. she, everyone else can see from the outside what's going on, but she's kind of trapped in this fiction. And occasionally, there's a break where she's recognizing, "Oh wait, something's trying to mess with my my construct here," but I'm not ready for that. But in a way, mm-hmm. also a little bit invasive when you think about that. There's oh, sh- outside oh, for sure. your deepest thoughts and, and your your intimate, um, you know, elements of your life for Wanda. But she's a prisoner in her own mind, I guess. Yeah. If, if you think about Wanda's powers and her emotional state the last time we saw her at the end of Endgame, it stands to reason that some force would want to manipulate her and capture mm-hmm. her and exploit those powers for themselves. So that's potentially part of what's going on here, but it could also be that in tandem with her um, maybe going along with that entrapment, but uh, shaping it to suit her emotional needs as well. So you can top on another layer to that. Like, Oh, they're pulling me out of the reality. I wasn't, ready to deal with because of all this pain I was suffering and I can just live in this box and shape it the way I want to. Okay. But of course the ramifications of that could be devastating with an outside force, an evil force watching the show she's creating and gaining all this Intel on her and her powers and maybe uh, siphoning those powers to do something evil. Or just a, Hey, we're, we're not trying to manipulate her. It's just that, uh, she could really change reality for the rest of us, and we have to keep a lid on this. Yes, right. that's it. Mm-hmm. I mean, sword. As uh, we've only seen one little instance of sword in the in the movies, as far as I'm aware, and that's at the end of um, Captain Marvel. Was mm-hmm. it Captain Marvel where mm-hmm. we see um, Samuel Jack uh, Nick Fury? on the sword ship out in space mm, mm-hmm. hanging out with one of the scrolls or no, is that end of Spider-Man two, right? Yeah. It was at oh, the end of yeah, Spider-Man two. Yeah. yeah Spider-Man it's, two. And the, that little stinger clip, you see that he's 
he takes away the kind of construct and he's actually out in space with sword. I'm not really sure what to kind of make of swords involvement, but I do think it, it seems like a smart strategy for, for the MCU to be using this TV show as a platform to kind of expand once again, the world and be able to kind of integrate them into mm -hmm. them. Uh, like now here's a little bit more like spoon feeding. Here's what sword is for us. Mm -hmm. If you yeah. think about like how Marvel remixes the classic storylines from the comics, it makes me think about planet Hulk where the Illuminati gathered to control oh, yeah. Hulk and get him the fuck out of there because he was too destructive. Maybe that's what we're seeing. We're seeing maybe all these sword references. Sword is in the place of the Illuminati here and is trying to contain Wanda. But we have other people trying to get her out. That's why we hear a voice saying, who's doing this to you? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, there is... There's just a lot that they are packing in to these two episodes that are seemingly on, on the surface, just a, a couple of, of lighthearted um, episodes. I, I think that the performances that we're getting from the characters are fantastic. Paul Bettany is cracking me up, uh, especially his getting drunk off of gum. <laughs> I mean, he's always been a fantastic actor. I, I, I go back to... Uh, uh, a Knight's Tale. A Knight's Tale, where, right. <laughs> um, but it, it's funny because if you look on IMDb, they have where the two of those uh, actors, uh, him and, and uh, Elizabeth Olsen, interview each other. And it's a funny thing because she gets to ask him, like, okay, so when did you know that you weren't out? And he was like, oh, man, they pulled me. They told me they were going to kill me as a vision. And I thought, well, that's it. And then they invited him to a meeting. He was like, all right, I know this is going. So he went in going like, hey, guys, just just I don't want to make this awkward. Just look, I just want you to know I've had a great time. I've, I've loved my time here. I wish I could stay. wish it could have been longer, but I understand. They were like, so are you quitting? I was like, well, <laughs> no, because like, we got big plans for you. Oh, oh, OK. Well, then um, forget what I said. <laughs> sure. Let's let's talk. Show me the money. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, he's so right. awesome because he disappeared for a long time. Well, I, I it's something he said in that whole thing made me get the impression that okay, if you do five pictures, that's when you're eligible for profit sharing. Because he was like, Oh, I just missed profit sharing. But with this, now he gets it. That's so well deserved because the chops yeah. he's he's putting in this show are amazing. Like so oh, funny, so perfect. Elizabeth Olsen, too. I mean come award season there's going to be their names are going to be thrown around for sure yeah the uh i pulled this up, image up here from age of ultron i thought it was funny the reference to the the sokovian hello with, uh, with <laughs> yeah. in age of ultron when she would come up behind them and change their reality uh by putting her hands over them I, you know what, what's great about all these references even if a lot of them like the um in the intro, you showed the intro that was like a cartoon. And then we had like uh, uh, the posters in the background that could mean something or reference something from the MCU. Even if that stuff doesn't pay off in the end or mean anything, right? it still makes the show infinitely rewatchable because those mm -hmm. comics are always there. You, this stuff is going to inspire people to read those comics. And then when they rewatch this series, 
it'll feel more deep and layered and textured, you know, even for people like us who go and revisit those comics, like, oh, that image means something to me, but I don't remember. Let me look at my comics and figure out what that was. Oh shit, it was that. And we go back and watch it again and it feels deeper and funner. It's I would just highly, highly recommend everyone read that Vision uh, 12 issue series from a few years ago. Oh. It was fantastic. It was one of the best things Marvel's done in the last few years. Um, we, we've been getting some comments over here and I wanted to go ahead and highlight a few of them. Uh, James Worm, who also uh, helps us out over on our Instagram. Thank you, James. Oh, hey, Big Worm. Big Worm <laughs> says, uh, I didn't think Mephisto would be part of this, but I do think they're in a reconstructed soul stone and Mephisto would happily make a play for the stone. Ooh. Of course. Uh, inside of the, the soul stone. So this all might be happening there. In which case we might see Black Widow as well. I, I don't know. Or that Gamora. Or, or one of the, the two Gamoras. <laughs> I always say Gamora, by the way. That's just Do like, you? I, I constantly mess up and say Gamora. And I go, wait. No, Gamora is the giant turtle. Yeah, which one's the turtle? <laughs> <laughs> They're both green. It's very confusing to me. Um, let's see. Dennis McElwain says, they ask Wanda... Who is doing this to her? I guess in reference to like pe the people on the outside being unsure if she's creating this world herself or if someone else is forcing this upon her. Well, it looks like this sword agents uh, surrounding the, the whole town that she's created. And they're dropping in on this reality only to be mm -hmm. probably transformed by her into another player in her game <laughs> once they get right. back. Oh, so, beekeeper who she probably just kicked to the curb so do we yeah, think it that looks maybe... like like agents are able to infiltrate and as long as they don't like set her off they can stay i think that's that's kind of what we're seeing with uh monica rambeau's character which yes which she call herself geraldine at one point yes but she's yes. monica rambeau she's the daughter of uh i don't know the first name rambeau and of, uh, of uh, captain marvel's best friend yeah yeah and this is her older now but she mm -hmm. obviously, I, I think a lot of people are familiar with her being a member of S.W.O.R.D. as well. So it mm -hmm. seems like if she's a member of S.W.O.R.D., she got dropped into this world uh, probably as an agent to try and help get Wanda out. And now she's forgotten her memory and she's just kind of stuck in there, too, as another player. So are we mm -hmm. thinking that like Catherine Hahn and all these other characters are potentially S.W.O.R.D. agents who had tried to infiltrate well, the world? The, the, Maybe oh, not Catherine uh, some, some theory is that Catherine Hahn might be Agatha Harkness. She might be crazy, crazy cat lady there. Wait, let me, I can pull up the photo again. Ooh, crazy cat lady. Where'd you go? <laughs> this lady. Oh, wow. Okay. So they're thinking she might be this old lady. Uh, but who knows? We, we got to find out who Ralph, her husband is, I guess. That might be a good tell. Mm -hmm. I like this comment from Elliot uh, Fontanet. What do each of you think? hope happens at the end of the series big question that that i enjoy it enough to recommend it to other people as opposed to the end of lost or game of thrones how dare you how dare you? i say never mind <laughs> did you see that uh on the calendar it was august 23rd and i immediately was like oh that's two of the the lost numbers in the balance <laughs> he sees those numbers in every um i think i think lost plays a part in this show and in everything and <laughs> the, the, and the last season's okay 
Is it the last season that, that I watched with you? <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> we, we went through that experience. Yes, we did. Put my back's against the wall. I'll, I'll get <laughs> I have to. Um, yeah, I don't know what I my expectations are. I I had kind of some theories, maybe a little bit of hope that this would be a platform for them to integrate the X-Men into the universe because mm, although mm. I don't necessarily think there's a big rush, they have a lot of other things on their plate that they probably want to work through before they do that. And there's so many crazy ways that Marvel comics is now familiar with being able to alter reality in order to integrate characters that they want to bring in. Um, but yeah, this could be a, a jumping off point for bringing in them or potentially bringing in the fantastic four. I don't know. You know, Grant, okay, to, to that point, there's something I mentioned on the show uh, yesterday is how I read the most recent Doctor Doom miniseries. Uh, I, I think it's supposed to be a series, but they ended it at issue 10, and it's brilliant. It's fantastic. But him being like the arrogant ass that he is, there's times when I, I read it and I was like, man, this dialogue sounds like Rain Wilson. And then from that point on, I could only hear Rain Wilson's voice as Doctor Doom. And it wasn't until I was done with it, I was like, wait a minute. If John Krasinski is Mr. Fantastic and they brought in Rain Wilson, oh my God. we could totally have Jim and Dwight back together again. Oh, man. that would And the be... dynamic totally works. Brilliant. I would love that. Wow. Steve Carell as Galactus. <laughs> I just can't. I can't imagine reading Doctor Doom. As Rain Wilson's voice, but now I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a shot. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, if you've read that series, because there's a point where the end where, like, think like something was supposed to like make Earth better, and it went wrong. And I, I won't go into all the details of it, but Reed finally has to say, like, Doctor Doom is the one who's smart enough to figure this out, and he's there on the moon getting everything done. And Reed says, like, Hey, I just want to say, I, I, I'm wishing you luck. Well, why? What do you mean by that? <laughs> Yeah. What? Yeah. What do you mean by that? Well, just I think you. I think you can do this, and I wish you good luck. Yeah, but I don't need your luck. I know you don't. I just wanted to say good luck. Does he burn yeah, the but, down because of it? He does. He does. He's like. He's like because he's like no that idiot. He must know something that I did wrong, and so he changes it, and it completely screws everything up. <laughs> oh man, that's that's perfect. It's like Endgame with uh, Thor and uh, Star Lord. I'm in charge. Of course you are. Of yeah. course. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, what about you, Mike? What, what are you hoping for the end? Um, I would really like another season. I would like for this to go on and for us to explore Wanda and Vision together because watching these two actors play off each other is a delight that I wasn't thinking I was going to have in this show. It They're just great together as a couple, and I'm really <laughs> – I find myself rooting for them, you mm -hmm. know? And mm -hmm. I want to. I just want to see more of Wanda and Vision trying to uh, make a go of it in suburbia or wherever they end up, and meeting new people, having a family, dealing with that stuff, and just being kooky, um, <laughs> otherworldly type beings. Inject trying to uh, get along with you know regular old Joes like us. Yeah, yeah. I mean. I guess this is a, a good point to go ahead and wrap up. Martin, you're already familiar with what happens in the third episode. 
and mm-hmm. you've been quite a gentleman to not you know spoil us on that so i appreciate it sure. um, uh james worm does say i could give a shit about them in the movies but this iteration is great word i mean yeah i, I think in, in part you know they totally got sidelined by a bunch of people in those movies <laughs> and they're fantastic sure well, that that's the thing about you know having long form is that you can branch off and just focus on these characters and then when the movies come you don't have to spend a lot of time going back over it and representing stuff right right this is very fun I, i'm not sure how many episodes we have do they announce like a full set is nine or eight nine nine yeah i thought it was gonna be eight nine oh. no uh, honestly like my only my only problem with the show is that they're doling out the information of what's really going on so just like in drops like you get more in the third seat in the third episode than you do in the first two but they're only 30 minutes long so after getting us after getting us used to the mandalorian that's 40 to 60 minutes long it's hard to just get 30 minutes and it's like man you guys should be dropping these two at a time or just stream the whole season because i I think it's going to play better as a whole season than it will at you know episode per episode Mm mm-hmm well, Martin, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. Oh, yeah. Can you please uh, give your plugs of where people can find you? Oh, people can find me always at DoubleToasted.com on Twitch, mostly. Uh, you can also find snippets of Double Toasted on YouTube. And if you go to SoundCloud, you can listen to all the audio for free. Uh, and, and on YouTube, you you get you know little 20, 30-minute bites. But it's better if you uh, get a free subscription through uh, amazon.com on Twitch or uh, go to doubletoaster.com and be a subscriber. But hey, thanks for, guys for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, we appreciate you coming on here and uh, we hope to uh, have you back if, if you're willing, if this wasn't too traumatizing for you. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I had a blast. I'd love to do it again. Uh, listeners, if you are checking us out over on YouTube, we would ask you to go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you know when we go live with our episodes. We are planning to go live every Friday at 9 p.m. for the duration of this season. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how things go from there and what else is on the MCU plate. We also have an audio podcast version of this that will go up, and you can find that on most any podcast podcast catching um platform that you use so go ahead and keep your eye out for that we appreciate uh your support and all that if you do want to help us out aside from liking this you can also go and give us a five-star rating write a little review give us a little plug and that helps us out and um, we're gonna be back next week like i said friday at 9 p.m central here on youtube to talk about episode three of wandavision we actually have guest uh randy lander who's gonna join us mm. uh next week well um he was already texting me um he's like make sure martin brings up uh glamour and illusion as a reference from the <laughs> 80s uh, and i was like yeah, randy can do that he, yeah. randy will drop some serious knowledge <laughs> yeah his science uh, is too tight it's too tight can't can't mess with that guy um thanks again and we will be back thank you everyone for watching our video. We'll be back next week. And oh.